Take your Bible, if you would, please, to John 14. You ought to know where it is, since I have preached probably five messages out of that chapter in the last five weeks. John 14, John 14. I wonder what this is in my pocket. Oh, that's your wrapper off your screwdriver. Uh, Can't have anything to unbalance me, you know, I just... You get my age, you can't have anything to throw you off. John chapter 14. For our learning this morning for just a little while. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers. This morning I've had uh, preachers from all over the country calling me, wishing me happy Father's Day because they feel like I'm so old and they equate me to being their father in the ministry. And uh, I'm feeling real old right now, about 19 probably. Verse 12 in your Bible Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto My father. Father. It's a good word. In this chapter alone, the word father is mentioned 22 times. Father. It's easy to become a biological father but very difficult to become a biblical father. A lot of difference in a biological father and a biblical father. 22 times in this text we find the word father. Sixteen times it's referred to as the Father. I like that, don't you? I like distinction. I am the Father over on brushing up. Not a Father. I hope my kids refer to me as the Father. Not a Father. Six times in the text in chapter 14, he refers to as my father. Isn't that neat? Jesus said he's the father, but he's also my father. When Jesus was uh, encouraging his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he says, when you pray, you say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He also said in Matthew 6 and referred to God as your Father. If he knows when the birds fall and he watches the flowers grow, And he arrays the flowers with more glory than all the glory that Solomon had. Then how much more does your heavenly father, your father. Are you glad that he is a personal father? A lot of difference between a father and your father. Somewhat a difference between a father and our father. I'm glad 
that God is a personal God. Since 911, America has awakened to the fact that there are different religions in the world. And different religions have different worldviews. I don't know if you know that or not. Which lead different religions to different actions. It is almost comical as you hear people say, they're just different religions. We all worship the same God and we're worshiping the same God and going to wind up in the same place. They might ought to ask that rich man in Luke 16 if that be true. You know, the old story of the school teacher who brought a baby rabbit to show the students at school one day in reference to the different religions. And the kids ask, well, is the rabbit a boy or a girl rabbit? The teacher was hesitant to reply, not sure herself what the rabbit was, boy or girl, when suddenly a hand shot up a little boy in the back replied, well, we could vote on it. That's about how this world faces religions, a relationship with God, trying to get to God. Religions may look the same on the surface, but they're all not the same. For instance, Hinduism, the divine is plural and impersonable. Islam is a singular God and yet impersonable. Christianity, the God is triune, personable and creator. All religions are not the same. Your philosophy of getting there your way and we get there mine, there are not several ways. In fact, in John 14, verse 6, our Lord said there's one way to the Father. And He is that way. There's one truth and He is that truth. There's not many truths. And there is two lives, one natural, the other is eternal, and he is the life. So ladies and gentlemen, today, I'm glad that God is a personable, personal father. When I pray, I do not have to pray, dear God, I'm coming in Clint, father's name. I can say my father. Are you glad of that? Are you glad that God equated the term to masculinity in the house to himself? Could I run that by you again? Because I think it clabbered somewhere between here and there. Are you glad that God equated Masculinity, leadership in the home to himself. Father. I like that. I don't know if you do or not. The greatest difference lies between the Bible way to God and Everybody else's philosophy to God and the different religions to God is best illustrated in a little story I heard the other day about a Muslim lady in Africa who had gotten saved and embraced Jesus Christ by faith. Many of her friends begin to antagonize her and begin to ask her questions. Why she shifted from Islam to God. Why she shifted from being a Muslim to a Christian. And she said, 
Well, could I please ask you a question? If you were going down the road and you came to a fork in the road, two men were there, one was dead and one was alive. Which one would you ask for directions? Because everybody else's God is dead. But thank God on the third day, our Lord arose. That's what makes Christianity special. Can I have an amen? Aren't you glad of that today? Time magazine. Issue called the hottest jobs of the future. List fatherhood as one of the occupations that will disappear in the next century. You say, preacher, you are absolutely out of touch. They say because of inter Virtual fertilization and cloning, dad will become more than likely a dinosaur. Fellas, women don't need you to have babies. You could be a has been, a used to was. A historical has been. Preacher, I didn't come to hear that. I didn't say it. Time Magazine did. (laughs) Our Heavenly Father... Wants to be our example in fathering our kids. Have you read in your Bible in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 14? And I read for you. I wish you'd go there. Romans chapter 14. Now, please be careful. The Apostle Paul is writing. In a dark, dismal age. And he's writing, verse 14, he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now the word Abba just merely means Daddy. I do not and did not call my Daddy Father. I did not. When I was at the table, I did not say, Father, would you please pass the beans? We were more personal around the table. Now, when he got after me with that razor strap, he became father. (laughs) And I tried to put him father and father and father. (laughs) Does anybody catch my drift? But when I wanted a nickel to buy a Pepsi, it was daddy. When I wanted a nickel to buy a bologna sandwich, it was daddy. It's personal. Whereby we cry, daddy. The Bible says in verse 16, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Do you like that? And if children, then heirs of God, joint heirs with with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, 
that we may also be glorified together. Abba, I don't know. Could I speak to you just a little while this morning? And I've got the clock here. See this? I don't know what that was. It beeped. On duties for dad. I wish I'd have said duties for daddies. That would have sounded better, don't you think? Duties for dad. I did not put that other up there. Andrew did that. Take out the trash, obey God. Take Jimmy fishing. That's good duties. That'll work. Amen. Don't you think those would be nice? I don't like that first one. I'm having trouble with the second one. And I hate watching that bobber. You know, if a guy ain't got anything other to do but fish, he needs to get a life. Coon hunting, I would recommend that. I believe with all of my heart, and, and we're just home folk now, and, and, and uh, could I help you a little bit? Have your Bible, would you turn to the last verse of the book of, Mal, uh, of Malachi? That, that's the last, cha- last chapter in the Old Testament. Just before you go into the New Testament. And, and could, I, could, could I show you this? And my goal and my heart's desire today, I think, could be found. And one thing I never questioned in 46 years, and it is God calling me to preach. The only time I've ever questioned that when I listened to some of my preaching. But I've never questioned at all God's call to preach. Many times I've been confused as to the purpose of that preaching and the ultimate goal of that preaching. I know that God has called me to win the lost. My heart's desire to see people saved. People who do not know the Lord need to come to the Lord. But today I have a, I have a purpose today. An explicit, primary, number one purpose. God had a purpose for John the Baptist. God called John the Baptist. God taught John the Baptist. And God sent John the Baptist for an ultimate purpose. Please let me read it to you. Chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah... A prophet before the coming of the great dreadful day of the Lord. John the Baptist was the New Testament Elijah. Watch this. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. And the heart of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Wow. Today is a day of utmost importance. I believe if anything ever needed to happen in America... Is that the father's heart be turned to the children. And the children's heart be turned to the father. Because the father is the living, visible example of our heavenly father. And if our kids are ever going to love the father, they're going to have to be shown how to love the father by a father. And if our kids do not love the Heavenly Father, it is not mama's fault, 
It is not the government's fault and it's not President Obama's fault. Dad, it is your fault. He said, I don't like that. I don't care if you like that. It's a fact, Jack. Amen. And fathering is a heart matter, not a head matter. Fathers to the children and children to the fathers. Oh, how we need our hearts to be turned back again to our children. And our children's heart back to the father. If the children has a hero, it ought to be daddy. Not LeBron James. And I'm going to be careless now. And it's not the big German, Dirk. It's not Lucy Slewfoot or Minnie Mouse or Mighty Mouse or Superman. Every child's hero ought to be daddy. That'll take work. That'll take time. That'll take the help of Almighty God. I read for you, I think, instructions in the Word of God and give to you four duties for daddies. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. I draw your attention down through Ephesians chapter 6 to verse 4. And the Bible says, And ye fathers, Paul starts that verse out explicit, wanting to gather the attention of a certain clientele. Aiming the arrow of the Holy Spirit to the heart of a particular individual in the home. Directing the message of Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, to a particular individual in the home. Notice he did not say now to parents. Notice he did not say now as to mamas. He said, now ye fathers. Did he say that? I said, did he say that? Some of you men say amen. If you men are afraid to, some of you ladies say amen. Hold your fans up and wave them at me. Fathers. You got that? And ye fathers. Provoke not your children to wrath. But bring them up. In the nurture. And admonition. Of the Lord. Daddies. Create an atmosphere. In your home. You be. The thermostat and not the thermometer. You control the atmosphere in your home. You control your home and allow it to be a place of love and a place of harmony and a place that's God honoring and a place where the Holy Spirit can be there on a regular basis. Fathers. Before we unload the full impact of this verse. Could I please give you just a little background of the verse in the time in which it was penned. Rome had a law called Patrita Portestas, which means the father's power. Men who were 
Roman citizens were given absolute property rights to their families. Get that? Property rights. Children were property of the father. The wife, property of the father. He said, I'm glad I'm not a Roman. By law, the children and wife were regarded as the patriarch's personal property. Some of you men are smiling and said, Dear God, give us Patricia Portestus again. A displeased father could disown the children, sell them into slavery, and even kill them without any repercussion. This is when this verse was written. See, this wasn't written for today. It was written to them, but it's for us. When a Roman child was born, they brought the child and the father would sit down and they would place the child between the father's legs. If the father picked up the child, then the child could remain in the home. If the child was not picked up, and the father stood up and walked away, then the child could be sold into slavery or annihilated. It's in this context this verse was written. By the way, we're not too far from that right now. When a million and a half babies are aborted. It's in this kind of. I'm chief. I'm macho. I own you. You're my property. It's in this context. That Paul writes. And ye fathers. Provoke not your children. To wrath. Christian fathers have to come under a different standard than all the other fathers in the world. And Paul sets the standard here and says, Ye fathers, provoke not your children under wrath. First thing I'd like to say, notice this. Provoke not. I wanted to be intelligent. So I thought the first point of my message today for the duties of dad, avoid big word. Exasperation. Daddies, avoid exasperating your children. Avoid making him mad at you, mad at the world, mad at God, mad at mama, mad at everybody. Just mad. Well, preacher, I'm not doing that. I know that. I just thought I'd talk to the guys who's not here today. Exasperate means to arouse to anger. It means to provoke one To be an exceedingly mad at everything and everybody. Avoid anything in your child's life that would break their spirit. It's okay to break the will. And we better break the will. And we better bring the child's will under under control. But you don't ever want to break a child's spirit. Uh, This sort of news to you probably. I've been raising coon hounds for about 50 years. 
I can have the best bread, best genetic blue tick hound in the world. And I can ruin that hound with just one hand hitting that hound in the wrong place when he's a pup. I can break that hound's spirit by hitting him wrong in the wrong place. I can hit that hound in the head. Bow! Won't be long till that hound's head will hang low. When you walk in the pen, he won't even look you in the eye. I can hit him the same way on a different end. And I don't break his spirit. I break his will. Something wrong. Kids can't look me in the eye. That's not respect. Cowed down. Daddy, we must avoid at all cost not to break our kid's spirit. I go to ball games. I hear dads demand of their kids at a basketball game that Dirk couldn't even perform. Getting quiet, ain't Preacher, how, you, you can't, is there some common ways that I might provoke my kid to wrath or to exasperate or push my kid into being angry, angry inside? Maybe not understanding why they're angry or why they act like they do. But are there some common denominators by which that I might avoid to keep from doing that to my kids? If my kids has got one thing wrong, they don't mind looking anybody in the eye. And my kids, for some reason, don't have any question, don't have any, any problem with asking why. Can I give you some, just real quickly, dads, let me give you some don't do's. Is that all right? You say, preacher, you're judging me. No, I'm just preaching. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. How many believe the Bible? Grandparents, don't provoke your children. To anger, lest they be discouraged. Common ways father, fathers can exasperate their children. Number one, overprotection. Do you know what uh, uh, the, uh, what is that gap they talk about? What? Generation gap. You know what that is? That's when kids get 18... And you treat them like they're two. That's when you mother hen them. Cluck, 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 cluck. And, and, and that's okay. That's fine. Me and Ginger has gone through that. And uh, Andrew's 21. Where are you going? How long are you going to be there? Who going to be with? I say, honey, shh. He's married and 21. <laughs> Mother Henning, it, 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 it is common. Love always wants to protect. Love always wants to be there. Love always. Hey, look, but there is such a thing as teaching your kids they are not trusted. They cannot make a decision on their own. And they are nothing but little Robots running around the house needing your 24-hour attention. 
Best way to make your kids angry. So in 18, treat them like they're two. Baptists are good about that. I hate to say it, but that's one way. And it shows a lack of trust. I believe if you raise them right, you can trust them. I believe if you raise them right, they'll know how to say no to the wrong thing and right yes to the right thing. I believe if you raise them right, they know which way it is back to the house. That's why my kids always got transportation. That's why when I go anywhere, my steering wheel is close by. That means I can leave any time I feel like it. And if you want to go, jump in. Because I can leave. My kids know what to do, when to do, and surely when they get to be 18, 19, or 20. You ever heard of cutting the apron string? What a happy day it was. When I saw the taillights of the red Toyota going out the driveway. We're just married on the back. That means adios, amigo. (laughs) Pay your own bills now, if you please. Overprotection. Could I give you another one? Overindulgence. We go from overprotective to overpermissive. And we don't want to hurt the little darlings and we don't want to say no to the little darlings because somebody said no to my daddy's little darling and my daddy's little darling didn't like it. So we just kind of let them. Do you know every child expects discipline? And every child expects standards. And if you don't give them that, every child will be raised without the feeling of being loved. And if you are over permissive, I have had people say, I am not spanking my kid. I said, would you please let me? (laughs) I can do a good job. And they won't be mad at you. Over permissiveness. Trying to show our children we love them will produce angry children. Showing favoritism. A mother said, I have five kids and I love them all the same. A man said, no, you cannot love them all the same. I'm sorry, that's impossible. She said, oh, yes, I can. He said, how? He said, because when one of them's sick, I love him the most. And when I'm in need, I love him the most. And whenever one needs me, I love them the most. So I just love them the most. Isn't that how you love kids? You don't show favoritism. Rebecca said, oh, Jacob, you're so fine. Huh? Isaac said, oh, Esau. <laughs> Look at the hairy arms. And they showed favoritism, did they not? And it was a non-functional, dysfunctional family that bled off into Jacob who loved Joseph the most. Who created a dysfunctional situation and all the other kids hated Joseph and resented daddy because of favoritism. If you're going to favor one, only have one. Ask God which one you're going to favor and tell him that's the only one you want. He can keep the rest. But favoritism will produce hostility, setting unrealistic goals for our kids. I've never set one goal for my kids. Not one. You say, how come? Because I didn't have any. 
My goal is just love the Lord, please the Lord, and let the Lord take me where I need to go. I never had the accolades of Andrew ever being an athlete. And so my ambitions and my dreams were fulfilled. I have watched guys so punish their kids to be what they could never be themselves. Push, yell, scream. Dear Lord, chill out. You got to weigh 300 pounds and be eight foot tall to play in the NBA. It's not necessary to dribble a ball. All you got to be is big and ugly. I got news for you. Your kid's not going to make it to the big time. Just train your kid to be in God's time. And don't push them. And don't set unrealistic goals for them. Dear Lord, no wonder kids are mad. My dad just put a hole in my hand, put me in that tobacco patch or that cornfield and said, I'll be back after a while. He did not say, you better have 15 rows done. I just knew he was coming back. (laughs) Is anybody here? Don't set unrealistic goals for your kids. Don't live your life that you thought you should have had through your kid. Every one of my kids are better athletic than I, greater minds than mine, more talented than me, uglier than me. But I like them. You know who said that? (laughs) He called me ugly. (laughs) And I agree with him. Unrealistic goals. Don't do that. Don't provoke your kids to that. Don't discourage your kid with cut downs and criticism and sarcasm. Hey, hey, just tell them they did something right one time. Celebrate something good. Amen. Just celebrate something good. And then, Lord, how much we neglect our kids, do we not? Neglect our kids. Oh, Neglect your kid and he'll get mad. Neglect your kid and she'll get mad. Neglect your kids and she'll wonder why I didn't have a daddy. Wonder why dad was always away. Wonder why, wonder why. You're going to have to make up your mind whether your kids are important or whether your job is important. You say, well, I need my job to feed my kids. No, you don't. God will feed your kids if you will be the kind of parent you need to be. You say, I don't believe that. Then you need to get saved. Takes faith to get saved. And too many daddies has divorced kids for a stinking job. Excessive discipline will make kids angry. That's why I'm mad at my mama. She was excessive. Not only was she excessive, she was expressive. (laughs) She did not mind telling me why she was wearing my britches out with a switch. If, If she was alive today and I was a kid, I'd turn her in. And I know what my daddy would do. He'd turn me out. (laughs) So I'd think about turning me. Come on now, let's have fun. The Bible says, now look, I I just believe we can be excessive in our discipline. And we do not need to do that. The Bible says that God receiveth and he disciplines every child. You know the rest of it? 
that he loveth. When discipline is done in love. But most of the time. Now, would you be honest? What time is it? I've got to look. Oh, I've got two hours. Uh, Would you believe that a lot of times our discipline is not in love, but is in anger? I raise my hand. I've been guilty. Is anybody here else? And when we discipline anger, we are mad because they broke my law. And when we are mad and dealing out of legalism instead of love, 95% of the time, the discipline is excessive. Is there anybody here? You say, well, I don't need this. Well, let me give you the second thing. Number one, don't provoke your children. Don't exasperate your children, but provide nurture for them. Nurture. If you want to see nurture, come over and watch my wife as she feeds those six blue tick puppies. If you want to see somebody getting real nurture and watch them little tails sticking straight up in the air, just like a pushing nurture. Nurture by example, Daddy. Kids needs an example. You preach soul winning, go soul winning. You tell your kids to pray, pray with them. You tell your kids to read the book, read the book with them. My kids like to talk about fishing. That's okay, talk about fishing. But every once in a while, tell them who created the fish. Nurture them by example, by instruction, by commitment. Have you ever heard of this? Show and tell. Daddy, you're not only to be a teller, you're to be a shore. Bring them up in the nurture. Notice this word, admonition. You know what that is? It's discipline. Discipline is not beating. The Bible says, Proverbs 13, 24, look at this. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. Wow. He that spareth the rod hateth. That's a strong word, isn't it? But he that loveth him chastiseth him betimes. Be times means before they get old enough to think they know better than anybody else. Preacher, what's the youngest you should discipline your child? I think first night home from the hospital. When they lay in the bed and cry and cry and cry. And there's no goblins in the room. And they have been fed. And they are dry as the desert sun. When they're laying in the bedroom crying for attention. What do you do? Jump up. Run in there. Pick that little lion sucker up. And he looks at you and says, eh, eh, eh. Before times, don't go in there. Let the little sucker cry till he goes to sleep. And then tomorrow night, he might just not bother to wake up and wake you up either. You say, that don't work. I don't know. I just thought it was a good idea. (laughs) It worked on mine. 
I, I, I just, folks, I, I'm too old. Let a six-day-year-old kid give me orders. Amen. If I'm the boss and I'm paying for the lights, I will determine when I turn them on. Not some three-day-old brat that just wants somebody to come in there so they can goo-goo at them. You say, how long does that last until I see the taillights? <laughs> Adios, amigo. But now, admonition is the word for discipline, not punishment. A lot of difference in discipline and punishment. A lot of we when we correct our children, we correct them because they broke our law. This is my rule. As long as you live in my house and eat my food, this is my law. You break the law and I'm going to punish you. Either by Tearing the hide off your back or sticking your nose in a corner and you sit there till you're cross-eyed. No place in the Bible does it says for daddies to punish children. Punishment looks back at a broken law or a wrong deed when discipline does not point back. It points toward a right action and a growth in the individual. Bring them up. Create an atmosphere by which that they'll know there will be correction and not punishment. And point toward a right action and not continually pointing back to a broken Law. Is there anybody here? No wonder our kids are mad. No wonder we've raised angry kids mad at God. Because they think you got your parenting skills from God's word. Because you knew one verse. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Beat the devil out of them until they are in submission. Their head hung low, their spirit broken. And when you get to be 18, adios to the church house. And adios to the rule book that showed no love. Bring them up. Admonition. Nurture. Provide instruction. Notice what it said. In the Lord. Daddy, are you instructing your kids daily? In the Lord. When Paul said Lord. He meant it with the highest. Point of reference. He meant it. In a kingly. Sort of way. He meant it as the most exalted title. In all of heaven or earth. Fathers, bring your children up in the fear and the admonition of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, creator of all the heavens and the earth, commander in chief of all the armies of heaven. He who has conquered death, hell and the grave. He who will give you power and victory over sin and death. Him, teach your kids. About that king. That Lord. 
that heavenly father. Well, I thought I'd just drop by today to share with you God's duty for daddies. Believe it or not, embrace it or not, love it or not, do it or not. But that's what God says about being a daddy. You say, preacher, you're seven minutes over, overdue. It's because of the zip and vitality I got from that last bite of blackberry cobbler yesterday. A man came home from work late one day. He was tired and irritated as many of us get in our day-to-day activities. Found his five-year-old boy standing at the door waiting for daddy to come home. Daddy opened the door. There stood his little old five-year-old boy. And the little boy said, Daddy, may I ask you a question? The dad replied, yeah, sure, but I'm tired. What is it? Just go ahead and get off your chest. And daddy, he said, Daddy, how much money do you make an hour? The daddy got mad and said, that's none of your business. Why do you want to know? The little boy said, I just... Want to know, uh, so if you could please, Daddy, if you could just tell me how much you make an hour. Daddy irritated and in a rush, and as he passed by, he said, well, if you must know, I make $20 an hour. The little boy sighed and followed his daddy into the living room. As the daddy sat down, the little boy said, Daddy, can I borrow $10? The daddy got so mad, he could have spit in the grass or never grown again. He flew off the handle. He said, the only reason you want to know how much money I make is so that you can get some cash out of me so uh, you can buy some stupid little toy. I go out, work myself to death, and you, you selfish little brat, all you want is $10 from me so that you can buy some junk. Father said, you get yourself up to your room right now. You go to bed. The five-year-old boy, head hung low, discouraged, made his way up to the stairs and fell asleep. After a while, the daddy sat there and thought for a while. Have you ever done that? Have you ever developed hoof and mouth disease? Open mouth, insert foot. Dad sat there and Longer he thought about the matter he got, and how dare that little brat come to me with questions about money. After an hour or so, he sat there and kind of chilled out. And he said, Well, the kid might have been wanting to buy me something. Maybe I'm a little harsh. He made his way up to the bedroom and he had a little boy and he knocked on the door and the little boy woke up and he said, Son, are you asleep? He said, No, sir, not now. <laughs> Daddy said, well, Son, I've been thinking. Maybe I was too hard earlier. Maybe I was too, too brash. He reached in his pocket and pulled out the $10 and gave the little boy. Daddy started to walk out and the little boy sat straight up in his bed, reached under his pillow and pulled out a hole. Water bills. He started counting them out. That made his daddy madder than you know what. You got more money than I do, and here you are pilfering from me. Dad, seeing little boy, already had money, started to yell and scream. And the dad was all mad and Demanded to know what was going on. Why did you want money if you had that much money? The little boy replied, replied, says, because daddy, 
I didn't have enough. But now I do. I have $20. Could I buy one hour of your time? Daddy, could I buy one hour of your time? And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord.